for joining me again it's just a quick thank you for last week i i decided i was too sick to go to work i just saw back and i um i i pressed the go button on operation hot lap and you seem to really like it and that's really cool i'm really i'm genuinely over the moon at the response i got from it so yeah, I, I'm. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it as a, as a short weekly show. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what goes on in between. We'll have to wait and see what goes on in the off season. We'll have to wait and see what goes on in between races. I've got a little bit to talk about today. It's not a great deal, but there's a couple of really interesting bits from drivers and a couple of certainly very interesting things about Team Boss. Uh, just quickly before we go any further, I'm going to get all the pimping out of the way because I know all of you are listening at the beginning, and so that's honestly why I'm going to do it. I think it's pointless doing it at the end. Uh, come and follow me at Shunt on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram at Shunt. And if you listen to any or all of the Musty Audio podcasts and you want a little bit more of it or you just want to help the show out, just go, go to Musty Audio, sign up to the Patreon. You'll get the extra shows we do. You'll get every show early. I'm recording this on a Saturday. It doesn't go up till Monday. So as soon as I finish recording it, I will be mixing it and sticking it up on Patreon immediately. That's just the way it, that, that's the way it works. Uh, if you, oh, um, a couple of people don't like Patreon and I fully understand. And if there was a better platform to do things on, I would do it. But I can't be like, there's Patreon is such a big thing and so many people use it. That for me, with so like as such a small operation, for me to just get rid of patron, it wouldn't like I would then be paying for everything myself. Uh, so, I, I as soon as there is a, a viable alternative to patron that is maybe a bit more creator friendly and a bit more f- free speech friendly, which is what I sort of get worried about with things like them. Yeah, I'll probably use it. I'll probably sign up, see how it goes, and then if it if it can take over completely, then that's it. Then that's what we use. What I will say is, if you want to get involved and help the show out, but you don't want to get involved on Patreon because of like a political leaning, then you can do it on PayPal. So if you want to get in touch with me, we can sort out a PayPal thing. Because basically, all the Patreon money goes then goes directly into the PayPal anyway. So cuts out the middle Patreon bit, doesn't it? Anyway, just before we start, we've got a few. I I, I messaged you before before I started doing this. I didn't give you a lot of a lot of time, which was probably bad on me. But I messaged you saying if there was any questions that you that you've got for me while I was putting the show together. I thought you were going to link me to news sites. I was wrong. Uh, the first question I got was from Friday Morning Club. He said, "Would you rather share a new? Sorry, would you?" Who would you rather share a new jacuzzi, jacuzzi interview session with and why? 
I take it he wants it to be Formula One, given this that this is a Formula One podcast. I'll give two answers. I will give a, an answer for Formula One, and I will give an answer outside of Formula One. My answer outside Formula One was would be Alexa Bliss, and I wouldn't even care if we spoke to each other. Um, inside Formula One is a bit more tricky, isn't it? I mean, it's a bit weird. He wants me to say Jensen Button. He wants me to say Jensen Button, doesn't he? And I reckon it would be Jensen Button or Damon Hill. But I don't know. One of the British champions that gave me so much viewing pleasure. Uh, and I just want to speak to them. The nakedness would be a bonus. Uh, next question was, would you accept a job in F1 uh, if the name was Chief Helmet Polisher? I'm noticing a theme with these questions. Uh and again, I'm a bit confused as why you think me having a job title, which was Chief Helmet Polisher, would be a downside. I think that would be an upside, surely. I mean, that would be hilarious to fill your tax form in, like Chief Helmet Polisher. I mean, I, I've been doing Formula One podcasts now for, I think, five years. I don't know. I'd have to check. Now, during that time, the idea of working inside Formula One, like properly, I'm not going to lie, has definitely crossed my mind. Um, there's been more than one occasion where I thought it was it was a genuine possibility, um, especially last year. Uh, I thought there was something. I think I thought there was something that was going to be like a genuine possibility for us to uh, work within Formula One. But then, then you think to yourself, well. If you if I well, if I was to work in Formula One doing this, it would change it would change what you brought to the dance essentially. And I, I the only thing I can think I bring is honesty, um, and that has to well I mean charm and good looks clearly, and oh and that sort of rugged handsomeness that that rugged handsomeness that you're not really allowed on Sky it's all a bit too shaven isn't it. Yeah, it's all a bit waxed. I bet every everyone that works for Sky has to be waxed from the from the nose down. Um. So yeah, I I would I like to work within Formula One. I mean, the the obvious answer is yes, isn't it? I mean, the. The little tastes I've had of doing it, of going, like, speaking to a couple of drivers and going to the Mercedes launch, like going to the Mercedes launch, even though I've genuinely never had like such a bad stomach bug as when the when the Mercedes launch happened. Like I was, I had to nip out halfway through Lewis's press conference to go and throw up. It was brilliant actually that it was hot, that it was through Lewis, Lewis's press conference because. That meant everybody was watching Lewis. Like I was literally the only person walking away, so like nobody heard me throw up in the toilet. Uh, I yeah I I see I there was a few people there that I think have great jobs. Like there's a few few people that that I don't think the people that work on if as a Formula One fan I don't know maybe they could completely tell me how fucking wrong I am. But I'd I'd rather be a commentator than like a journalist, for instance, because I think if you you're compromised 
journalists shouldn't be compromised, but they obviously are. Obviously, all of them are because I think more people should be saying more things. You know, they it only ever tends to be the the guys which don't have anything to lose. You know, it's that that's the way I look at it. Is like some people turn around and say some of the stuff that I've said on either three legs, four wheels, or surely some of the stuff I'm going to say on this. They like. Well, what if you do if you upset somebody that's sort of in the right place? And you think, well, I get that and I have thought it. But you can't worry about burning bridges down that you might never get to cross. You know, it's that's the only way I'm, I sort of look at it. You've got to just, you've got to say what's on your mind. You can't run yourself through this sort of self. I mean, I'm, I don't think I ever say anything that terrible. I think I've, it's... I think I say a lot of lot of things that people think maybe they're just not used to hearing it on a like a show situation. But anyway, chief helmet polisher, yes. Under the proviso, I get to watch the races because I I what would be the point of getting yourself to the position of loving a sport that much that you get to you get to work within it because you're passionate about it. And then you don't you don't get to watch. I I can't see the point in that because yeah, you just you'd be watching it just to critique it or just to, you'd be just looking for a scoop. Whereas I just I I wanna I wanna watch it to talk to you guys like I would do if I walked into a pub. That's why the best thing I think that could possibly happen for me and this podcast or any podcast or any show um, is to be crowdfunded to the point where you can be independent where to where you could maybe take a half it you know I think it'd be very difficult to do podcasts as a full-time job but if you could half your week to where I, half of it could be half of your week could be like creating content and looking to making new content and coming up with new ideas of doing things and you know you get more into videos and stuff like that um to and then doing like boring mundane work to pad out the rest of your income then that's that's got to be the sweet spot hasn't it so yeah i'd i'd be a i'd be a helmet polisher but i'd have to polish the helmets when the races were on because i'd want to watch the races the last uh last question i had was from james i believe uh, yeah, just just James. I'm not going to read his Twitter out just in case he doesn't want it read out. If Hamilton wins seven championships, does it diminish Schumacher's legacy? Now, I don't think Hamilton diminishes Schumacher's legacy. I think Schumacher's already done it. I think Schumacher's made three massive mistakes or four massive mistakes. I think his first mistake was running the Damon Hill to win a, to win a world championship. I think his second mistake was trying to run into the side of. Jacques Villeneuve to win a world championship. I think his third mistake was being beaten out of Formula One by uh, Fernando Alonso because when you look at the window that the Renault was actually capable of winning world championships for, it was pretty narrow. That's why um, Fernando went to McLaren because he knew that that car wasn't going to be there for him to win a world championship. And that worked out just splendid. If Schumacher had stayed in Formula One, he would have got the chance to win another world championship. Um, he'd have probably won Kimi Raikkonen's, for instance. Um, 
against Fernando Alonso in is McLaren. Some of the people that kept made Ferrari great again might have might have still been around. You know, it's you could have been looking at an eight or nine time world champion in Michael Schumacher if he hadn't have retired too early. His fourth mistake was coming back. I think that tarnished his career just as much as his unsportsmanlike conduct. As I think rather than diminish Schumacher's achievements, as long as everything, if everything keeps going the way it is, let's just say Lewis only gets another world championship and he, uh, this year, equals Michael Schumacher. And, um, oh no, no, yes. No, he's got five. It'll be it'll be twenty twenty, won't it? He could he could equal Schumacher. So let's say he can win two world championships between now and twenty twenty. I don't think it diminishes Schumacher, the fact that Schumacher's been equaled. But I think what diminishes it is it you look at it in a different light because if if I I don't think Lewis Hamilton has it in him to ram somebody else off the track to win a race, to win a world championship. Or a race. I think the clean contact he has during races is something he prides himself on. I don't believe he would let himself get into the like smashy smashy business. So if he can equal him while being as sportsmanlike as Schumacher, then I I think I think it's better. You know, it's he's he's done it. He's done it in a more morally abidable way you know it's the that's the way i look at it i i think schumacher just wanted to win schumacher wanted to win at all costs and i I almost i don't actually believe schumacher was thinking about his legacy when he was doing it because he had the the that god-given thing about him didn't he where you know you, you see lots of people get it where they i think they actually think they've moved past like a, what a human being is you know they've they've ascended to us to another level i think uh muhammad ali being another person that i think believed he'd been put here to do something so I, I don't think Schumacher ever thought the winning was going to stop, so I don't think he was ever thinking about his legacy. I think Lewis knows the winning will stop, so he's been very he's been very keen on what his legacy will be leaving Formula 1 since his first World Championship. I remember him saying that to leave Formula 1 with only one World Championship would suck. Christ. You know, people leave Formula 1 without getting wins. Nico Hülkenberg must be worried about leaving Formula 1 without getting a podium. So, yeah, do I think it diminishes it? No, but it definitely puts it in a different light. Definitely, it will definitely put. I, I think it. I think it's in another light now. Anyway, I think like Lewis Hamilton might not be the most successful driver in the terms of numbers, but in my eyes, what he's doing and what he's done and what he's doing is better than what Schumacher had done up until this point. I also don't. I don't know if Schumacher would have won a world championship against Ferrari last year in the Mercedes. I think last year Schumacher, I think last year Lewis proved that even without the tools underneath him, like he's he's there, you know. So I'd say it. people are going to accuse me of being a Hamilton fanboy again. You know, it's 
doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I spent a couple of years completely roasting them for stuff. But now, now I'm a fanboy. Uh, oh, like a couple of quick things. Well, the three or four quick things we've got to talk about. Uh, we'll talk about Renault first. Renault is quite interesting. Hulkenberg predicted Daniel Ricciardo to come back at him. Said uh, it always takes more time than you time than you think especially when you come from a better car to a worse car, things are different. It's a different kind of mindset you have to have to, uh, to battle the midfield than up the front. He's still getting used to it. He's finding his feet, and no doubt he'll be giving me some hassle very soon. I think it's kind of what we all know, isn't it? You know, it's... Ricardo's going to come back at uh, somewhere through, through the season. I, I would be surprised if come the end of the year... If Ricardo isn't on top of Hulkenberg, I think they're going to be close. I don't think he's going to batter and batter him, but I do think like Ricardo will have him over the course of a season. Um, Ricardo kind of responded not to Nico Hulkenberg, but to the press uh, about the negativity towards him and um, being Renault and where he is at the moment and where his driving is. And he, what he's, he said is, I accept it for sure. It's short term. Uh, and it probably happens in all top sports. You have it uh, You have it in football, I imagine. One guy scores a hat-trick uh, and the next two games he doesn't score any gold. It's, it's like, what happened? But maybe one or two weeks ago, uh, he, was, uh, he was king of the show. When you're at top level of any sport, it's, uh, the expectation's always on you. It's not like I've done anything to myself, which has made me forget how to drive. But anyway, I don't need to. Uh, I, do, I don't let it get. I let it get me angry. Uh, I just remember I know what I have to do, and sometimes it needs a bit of patience. So, again, we're going over what we kind of think's going on within Renault. I'd love to know. I'd love to sit down and speak to Ricardo and see whether you know if if you could have like a proper honest conversation. If he does regret leaving Red Bull. If he left Red Bull because he ran away from Honda, more so than Max, which is what I would guess at. And um, it, it would really suck, wouldn't it, not to see Ricardo get another podium. It would suck to see him not win another race. It, it would certainly, like, even Renault, like, regardless of, Hulk, uh, of um, Ricardo, it would suck for Ricardo, for Renault not to end up being up there with like the manufacturers where it really sh- should be you know you're like what's going on they shouldn't have red bull in the middle i mean i know red bull have got the budget of one of the top teams anyway so you can't look at it as like a money thing with red bull but you can look at it as like well, you know there are drinks manufacturer the car company should be better at building the cars than the drinks man than the drinks company so yeah, it would just be it would be so interesting just to know what, whether he wishes he hadn't left Red Bull. But even more interesting to to uh, to to know whether Red Bull wish he hadn't re- left them now, given where Pierre Gasly is. Um, Christian Horner's had to come out and re- kind of kind of baby and support him a little bit in the media, saying that the 2019 car doesn't suit his driving style. Uh, he also said he's 
he's not t- totally comfortable with him in the car. He said not from a physical st- standpoint, but uh, from what he needs to learn, what he needs to do to bring out the best in the car. So I take it the talk about setup and stuff. But I'm a little confused with that. And what I'd like to know from any anyone out there, because I know a couple of people that are within Formula One teams listen to the podcast. Uh, it, or if, I, if so, someone that I don't know that's within the teams that's... Uh, listen to the podcast just drop us a dm i don't I, I don't have to say anything on the show about it but if you know something about that technical side will there be characteristics with uh, with the red bull and Rosso that just naturally run through each other because it seems strange to me that the that the Rosso can be so alien to the red bull it it just seems weird. You would think that they'd want to try and have some sort of correlation between the two. I know they're two two different built cars, but I mean, from a philosophy level, it just seems odd. You know, you've got personnel drifting back and forwards. I'd imagine through the teams getting promoted, getting demoted. I'd I'd be surprised. It it can't be the same as Pierre Gasly coming from say a Haas to a mercedes it surely it can't be the same anyway maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong i've been i've been wrong like i said at least once or twice at some point but i i, I don't know uh quick look over williams it's kind of a bit of a non-story kind of something we sort of know but i just thought it was interesting just to to bring it up that um George Russell has said that for Williams to move forward, they have to develop at tr- double or triple the rate of the other teams to to see anything, because obviously all the teams are moving forward. Uh, but it, basically, the reason I wanted to, to do this is um, he came out and said another great thing in the media, and it just got me thinking what that team would, what state that team would be in, even in public perception wise, without George Russell. You know, it's you really really have to take your hat hand hand off to him don't take your hand off to him take your hat off to him that will hurt um i said last week didn't i that i had the pleasure of meeting him and he was a very impressive guy to speak to then you know especially because the age he was and he seems like a really nice person he really did seem like just a genuinely good guy that was super talented at something and you could see the glint and excitement in his eyes that he was he was managing to real to realize something. But when you look at the uh, like the contrasting sort of interviews to the other side of the garage, Kibitza, where he's complaining about the car, he's uh, saying his car's different to George Russell's. Then George Russell's coming out and saying in support of that that he's drove uh, Robert's car and Robert's car is indeed different to his, which. Again, I do wonder whether that's just exceptionally good media handling by George. Like you're, you're talking about companies that Williams have built two bad Formula One cars, but don't be, don't think for one second that they haven't built those cars to like the the absolute highest levels of engineering possible. You know, they're they're what what is it seven seconds six seven seconds off like the top teams which i know is it is a country fucking mile it's like round the world and back in formula one terms 
But when you think that the the difference between a Mercedes and a Williams is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You know, that's that's crazy that we that we decide with that we decide something is a complete failure that we decide something is a complete failure over just that length of time but i the only the only factory i've seen was mercedes and i got to go down into the bowels and have a have a look at what was going on and it it was crazy it was a bit it was a bit like area 51 if i'm perfectly honest apart from there was no little gray men there was proper people, but it it was it had more in common with a hospital than a garage. You know, it, I I was amazed, like looking at some of the components that were made, looking at the machine tooling on them. You you really get a handle of like what's capable by these teams. And the you know, Williams are a, are an engineering company at the end of the day that are one of ten like Formula One teams in the world. So. <laughs> They've still got some of the best engineers in the world there. I, I, I've always said it. I think their problem's a management problem. I don't think their problem's a personnel problem. So if they've got two bad Formula One cars there, I think they're probably going to have two identically bad Formula One cars. That's what I'm trying to say here. I don't I don't subscribe to this whole thing of Kubitz's car being too, like that much different to uh, to George's car. Anyway, we'll, we'll see over the course of the season. I am... Um, I'm I'm getting to the point now where I think two more races, if they stay the same, I'll be surprised to see George get beaten by Kubica over the course of a season. Over, over like, oh, sorry, over the course of a race, not the season. He's not going to beat him over the course of a season. Where I mean, they're both going to end up with no points, but one of them will have finished ahead of the other one more. So we'll just have to see. But it's again, I I just don't know where. Imagine Stroll was still in that car. What Stroll would be saying? I don't think he'd be doing as good a job, a good a job in front of the press as uh, George is doing. Uh, someone else that's come up, that, that is under pressure, though, that someone wasn't as kind to in front of the media was Benotto uh, or Benito, Benito, Benito. You say Benito, I say Benotto. Um, Gerhard Berger has criticised. The Ferrari, uh, the new Ferrari team principal, uh, saying that maybe he's just not the right man for the role or roles as he believes that a Formula One team needs. He's pointed out that you look at Red Bull, you have a genius in Adrian Newey, you have a capable uh, boss at Christian Horner, then you have a shark like Her- Her- Helmut Marco. In Mercedes, you have Toto Wolf, a very capable team boss. You have a genius like Andy Cowell. Uh, on the engine side, and then you have uh, you have Nicky Lauder in the mix as well. And I think he's sort of pointing out that everything's on Bonotto's shoulders. Um, and I, I'm still confused as to why Maurizio Rivabene got sacked. I think that was more of a excuse me. <coughs> I think that was more of a thing between him and Sebastian Vettel uh, than. It was between him and Ferrari because I don't think he did a bad job as team boss. You know, it's under his um, under his 
vision, Ferrari built the best car last year. Now, it's not... Is it 100% his fault then if his four-time world champion can't go out and win it? I'm not sure it is. I think I think last year's failings are on Sebastian's shoulders, not his, but it's Ferrari. So when Ferrari don't do well at the things, somebody has to lose their job, which is a real shame, isn't it? So I I can kind of get I can kind of get Burgers problem here and i do i think uh i think he might be i think he might be onto something uh i've as opposed to um uh vettel because he brought schumacher into this saying that vettel sort of come into uh ferrari kind of on, on his own you know he, he came in whereas schumacher was able to build a team and bring people with him you know he bought um he brought Ross Braun, he brought uh, Rory, is it Rory, Rory Byrne, is that right? Uh, with him fr- uh, from Benetton. My memory, my, my memory is not with me today. I've to, uh, There's been some stuff, I've ran out of coffee ages ago recording this podcast. This has took, this has took much longer to do than the uh, 20 odd, no, 29 minutes that your ears are at. But yeah, he he did bring out the fact that that guy managed to build a team around him, where Seb hasn't managed to build the team. Um, Bernie Eccleston has actually come out now and said that he wouldn't be surprised if the four-time world champion quit at the end of his contract in 2020. Uh, I thought, like, there's a quote here from Sebastian. And there's a couple of really, really interesting bits in it. I love, uh, if any of you watch, uh, is, I think it's called Bombard Body Language on um, YouTube. She's really good. She breaks down body language of different people. It's it's, it's fascinating. Um, and for somebody that sometimes knows that they fuck words up now and again, I... Uh, I find word placement for people that, and, and trying to pick up on things that they don't want you to pick up on also really good fun. So let's see if there's anything in this, shall we? At the moment, I feel on top of my game. I feel like I know what I'm doing and yeah, I'm very, very critical of myself. Uh, I'm very ambitious. I put a lot of expe- uh, expectation on myself. I love driving. I love the sensation of speed. I love fighting with these guys, these guys. So there's a lot of things at the moment I would really miss. Uh, I really like, and I would really miss. So that that's why it's not an option for me to quit tomorrow. I'm quite happy to race. And then, yeah, I've got a contract, but that's a piece of paper and we'll see what happens. So the two things I was interested in here, one's dead obvious. We'll go for the end one first. So I've got a contract in my uh, 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 a contract, but that's a piece of paper. So we'll see what happens. So that's the contract up until twenty twenty, and we know that he's left. He's you know he's he's he left uh, Red Bull before his contract was up, and Ferrari have been known for getting rid of drivers if they don't want them in the team. So that's interesting. Also, I I think. Because like Vettel's kept everything like private wise so quiet, like away from the media and stuff like that, you do feel that he he might just be the driver that melts away. You know, he just just disappears off into the sunset with his four world championships, and 
I think would be a shame from right now because I I think it would take him a while to be happy with his career if uh, th- there would be a sadness for him to walk away from Formula One like this much like Schumacher it might be very much like Schumacher actually where this might be one of these things where you've had so much success that look maybe you have to ride some shit out for a little bit but the really interesting thing I had uh, I, I thought in this was I'm quite happy to race and I I found that a strange thing to say it's I, I, I can't put my hand up my, my finger on that whether that's him admitting to himself that he's just not happy within Formula One at the minute, which is how many times we've we seen that from drivers like Jensen Button being at the back of the grid with McLaren for so long. You could just see he lost the love of being in Formula One. Um, who else springs to mind? Like Nico Rosberg knew that he had to get out before he got battered by Hamilton for a second year for, for uh, a year after winning the world championship. Uh, there's another driver that comes to mind when I think of someone that just fell out of love with Formula One. Kimi Raikkonen. Kimi Raikkonen fell out of love with Formula One, and then he came back. And I, or is this? I'm quite happy to race. Aimed. I'm quite happy to race, unless it's my teammate, sort of thing. Or is this his his way of saying I'm quite happy to race with my teammate? Either way, I I might be reading too much into that short grouping of five words but i think there's something else there if because in the context of it he's saying about things that he'd miss um so it, it would have made it a more sensible state it meant sensible sentence if he'd said i'm happy to race yeah i'm happy to be in formula one I'm happy to be doing what i'm doing if he was to say, I'm quite happy in Formula 1, or I'm, like, nobody that says they're quite happy with something really wants to do it. You know, it's like if someone says, oh, should we go swimming? Oh, okay, I'll go swimming. You're all right. I'm quite happy with going swimming. Or, what should we get tea for tonight? Should we get pizza? Mm, I don't know. Are you happy getting pizza? I'm quite happy getting pizza, but I'd rather Chinese. So there's something there's something there in that. I'm, I'm convinced of it. I, I think I said all along that, um, Charles could be the like disturbing factor that that really does rip up him being in in a team. Anyway, I think like that's all I could troll the internet for for F one goodies for you there today. Um, like I said, it's egg weekend in the UK, so we've uh, oh here we go. Just as I say that, Tom Cornish, he's gone and messed up my outro. Uh, and it's, But it does kind of fit in with what we were just talking about. Does Vettel have imposter syndrome? He's uncomfortable with the reputation that comes with being a four-time world champion when he knows... Uh, uh, four-time world champ, when he knows his own ability probably isn't quite doesn't quite well so it isn't quite worth that much that's really interesting mate sorry i tripped over some of the words i'm whenever i whenever you hear me read something and i read something correctly it's because i've read it four or five times i'm not very good at reading things first time out loud 
I'd never thought about him having imposter syndrome, and I've never thought about him maybe him finding himself out either. It's interesting. I um, I watched a thing. There's a there's a YouTube video. I'll try and link it on my Twitter. Um, like, like either I'll try and do it on Monday, like later on on Monday when this is out, so you'll have listened to it and gone, oh, I can go and check Lee's Twitter and maybe maybe he'll put that video up. And it was a YouTube video about imposter syndrome, but I think it was imposter syndrome in, I can't remember what it was in. It was something else, but I found it fucking fascinating. And it was one of those things that you watch and all of a sudden you instantly start psychoanalyzing yourself. So, I mean, maybe he hasn't wanted to have somebody quick next to him that that he believes can beat him. I think that's... That's obvious. He wasn't comfortable in Red Bull when Mark Webber was on was on par with him, which admittedly wasn't every weekend. He wasn't comfortable when who uh, um, when Daniel Ricciardo came in. I can't imagine he would have. Could you imagine if it would have been Verstappen that came in first there? Oh, <gasps> fireworks! I've, I actually don't think Verstappen would have took care of Vettel quite as quickly, actually, because Verstappen took a he took a minute, didn't he? He took a minute to get to get right. Um, and he's not he he's been happy with Kimi, but has he been the best Vettel with Kimi? I still think maybe the best Vettel was with Mark Webber because Mark Webber was capable of qualifying second like all the time and he was capable of being second all the time and Vettel knew much as I think what I was saying about Max Verstappen not being the same Verstappen this year uh, I think certain drivers need they need a massa but they need a good massa like I think Lewis Hamilton needs a good massa like I I I think you're going to see the best from Lewis if Valtteri's good because it pushes him to be better so, I'm I'm interested. I do you know what I'm going to think about the imposter thing. Uh, I'd like the listeners to tweet uh, tweet him as well. Like, li- if you guys could just let me know if you think Vettel's got imposter syndrome. If you don't know what imposter syndrome is, give it a Google. Um, but yeah, I think there's, I think there's a case for it. I think you've come up with something that's really interesting. I'll bring that up on three legs, four wheels as well, if I remember, because. That's a really good question. Well done. <laughs> I hope that didn't sound condescending. It's a really good question, that. Well done, you. Well done. You've done good. Anyway, if you've enjoyed this uh, almost 40 minutes of me chatting at you about Formula One for, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, head on over to the Musty Audio patron and come and help us out. You know, the more the more you guys do is the more I can do for you. It's as simple as that. Um, I do spend a lot of time in the week um, doing these sort of things. It also keeps my girlfriend a little bit happy when it's all paying for itself. And if it could if it could start paying for itself and then some, she'd be over the moon. She loses me for hours. Her, her and my little son lose me for hours a week because of doing these things. But yeah, uh, next week after... The, the race, I'm going to either try and do this as a YouTube show or I'm going to try and do this as a live stream. I need to look at the patron over the course of the 
uh, next few days so you might find some new tiers going up um i don't i don't know about putting tiers up but i do i would like to do something some sort of hangout with you guys where we could actually interact more and talk to each other more um i don't know if that the best the best way of doing that is on the show because i, t- I think you tend to read comments more than you do to actually do what you want what you sort of made to do so then that harms the podcast but makes a better youtube show so i think we'll be better off if we keep it to a patron sort of hangout thing we'll we'll work out a time a date and a place and we'll meet up so yeah follow me on uh the twitters at all shunt follow me on the instas at all shunt um the instas i'm not great at it my life's not really interesting enough for um instagram and i don't lie enough if if i if i lied i'd make my life look interesting but i can't be bothered doing that it just makes me sad uh apart from that i'm gonna love yous leave yous and you'll probably hear from hear me on another formula one show next week if you don't listen to me on another formula one show next week i will be back next monday for you on another hot lap thank you very much